Hello, everyone, and welcome to this episode of the National CMV Foundation's podcast. My name is Kalia Fleming. I'm the executive director for the National CMV Foundation, and super excited and delighted to be chatting with everyone today and our amazing special guest that we have. Just for folks who may be new to the podcast, what is CMV or what's congenital CMV, which is the focus of the National CMV Foundation? So congenital CMV or CMV infection is arguably the most common preventable cause of neonatal disability in U.S., affecting more than 30,000 children per year. It is the number one cause of non-genetic hearing loss of infants in the U.S. and can lead to roughly about 20% of those impacted, uh, can have serious major health complications. So it's our role, our job, our mission here at the National CMV Foundation uh, to not just educate women of childbearing age, but communities at large about congenital CMV. And through our podcast series, we aim to highlight advocacy, education, industry, and scientific advances in the CMV space. We really want to bring congenital CMV to the forefront of the conversation related to advocacy, research, training, medical education, um, equipping families with conversation starters for their medical providers. And so that's really the crux and the purpose of our podcast episode. Our mission at the National CMV Foundation is to prevent pregnancy loss, childhood death, and disability due to congenital CMV. And one area that we do that is awareness and education, hence our podcast that we're bringing to you today. This podcast is brought to you by our wonderful partner, Moderna. Thank you, Moderna, for the support as always. I'm super excited to host today's episode with um, amazing program director, Amanda Devereaux. Her and I have been working very hard, very well since 2020 together, and super just excited to have her by my side as we continue to lead the efforts of the foundation. She will co-host today's episode with our amazing guest, Allison Ward, senior researcher for the National Center Hearing Assessment and Management, also known as NCHAM. So I will pause right there. Hi, Kalia. Thanks, everyone, for joining us. Hi, Allison. So the first question we have for you is really just an opportunity, actually, for you to introduce yourself and talk a little bit about your role with NCHAM. And also, we're curious how you became familiar with CMB and the National CMB Foundation. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate the invitation, Kalia and Amanda. Um, as Clea mentioned, my name is Allison Ward. I am the Director of Quality Improvement um, at the National Center for Hearing Assessment and Management. And uh, as Clea mentioned, my technical title is Senior Researcher. I have been at NCHAM for nine years. I came here from a variety of public health positions. I've worked on the local, national, and uh, state levels of public health uh, from tobacco prevention and control and injury prevention to uh, studying child health uh, with a longitudinal study for the National uh, Study of Children's Health. And then now I'm at uh, the National Center for Hearing Assessment and Management and have been here for about nine years. I first heard of CMV when I started my position with NCHAM because of its link uh, to hearing loss. And in 2013, you know, so so NCHAM is located at Utah State University, and the director of our center was involved in the education and the legislation that happened around hearing targeted CMV screening in Utah in 2013. And when that happened, I was hired just shortly after that. 
And he asked me if I wanted to get involved in the efforts around CMV that NCHAM was going to be engaging in. And so that was the first time I had heard of CMV and especially congenital CMV. And I just kind of jumped in with both feet. Um, From there, we started the CMV Public Health and Policy Conference. And we held the first one in 2014 in Salt Lake City to kind of highlight the the new legislation and use that as an opportunity for education and awareness. Um, And then I have served as the co-director for the CMV Public Health and Policy Conference ever since its its inception in 2014. Um, I I started also uh, around that same time serving on the Utah CMV Council. Um, Then during the 2014 uh, CMV Public Health and Policy Conference, all the U.S. nonprofits joined forces to become the National CMV Foundation. I was then invited to serve on the National CMV Foundation's board, where I served in various capacities from about 2015 to 2019, and have just like jumped on any opportunity to work on CMV that uh, I possibly can. I just found it one of those like pretty severe injustices that happen. In, in healthcare where we're not given full information about something that we can easily prevent or try to prevent. And uh, it just, it just, you know, I just have a really hard time when there's gatekeepers of information and they they decide to keep it from the public or from, you know, pregnant women in this case, um, because of fear, you know, certain fears about raising anxiety or whatever their excuse may be. Um, what with uh, the possibility of having, you know, such major uh, life changing uh, results. And so I've really um, become more and more passionate around CMV as time has gone on. So that was kind of a long, long-winded answer. Sorry. Awesome. <laughs> no, that was great. That was great. You actually touched on one of our upcoming questions. So we'll have you dive deeper into the CMB conference. Um, I, I really love what you said about the gatekeepers. And I feel like the CMB conference um, is kind of opening the gates, right? It's an overflow of information for parents, researchers, clinicians, scientists, students who can really come learn all they can and really stay up to date on recent advances and advancements and treatments and things of that nature. So we will certainly jump into that. And we know you are no stranger to the foundation as a whole, having served previously on the board and just have really been a great partner um, amongst a slew of activities, programming and projects. I wanted to just quickly take a step back for those who haven't even really heard of NCHAM. You mentioned there being a linkage to hearing. And so for those who may be new to our podcast or never heard of NCHAM, could you dive a little bit deeper into the scope of work? Absolutely. So, uh, you know, in the CMV world, people are not familiar with NCHAM and uh, Early Hearing Detection and Intervention Programs, or EDI for short. So let me just give you a little bit of a background around what NCHAM is and EDI, because they really do both play a role with CMV. So NCHAM is a research center, again, based out of Utah State University. We're up in Logan, Utah, so the very most uh, northern part of Utah. And we really uh, engage in a variety of efforts. We do a lot of basic and applied research. We have a public health tracking system that states can use for newborn hearing screening, surveillance, and and tracking and follow-up and provide education, advocacy, and awareness around infant and early childhood hearing loss. 
However, our largest effort is really serving as the National Technical Resource Center for Early Hearing Detection and Intervention Programs, or EDI uh, for short. And as you may know, again, because of the strong linkage between CMV and hearing loss, EDI program staff have been amazing allies in increasing awareness of CMV and education amongst stakeholders and very involved in the passing of CMV-related legislation. And so we've, you know, NCHAM ends up acting a lot of the times as a catalyst to get information to state EDI programs around CMV and try to support the efforts that states are doing to either increase awareness or an education around CMV and potentially even uh, moving forward uh, with CMV legislation. You know, there is a bit of a sticking point around uh, public health or government employees being able to advocate. So we have to make sure that, you know, either NCHAM or state EDI programs don't pass that line between education and advocacy. But we do our best to kind of stay in that education realm by not calling out specific bills or asking for a specific vote. So it just really stays in that education realm. But uh, EDI coordinators and EDI program staff across the country have been probably the biggest public health cheerleaders for uh, CMV awareness and education, at least in my estimation. Um, maybe, maybe I'm tooting the Eddie Horn a little bit too much, but I think that they have been amazing allies. No, I, I agree with you, Allison, and, and I don't think that you're tooting the Eddie Horn too much at all. <laughs> Um, I think that that's a, a very reliable um, group to go to when people are wanting to work on on CMV advocacy efforts in their states. So I, I definitely agree with you. Um, so you touched a little bit on the um, CMV Public Health and Policy Conference. So um, we kind of heard how that got started and, and when it started. I'm just wondering if you can tell us a little bit more. I mean, you and I have obviously worked on this conference together for this last one. But what's the purpose? And I wonder if you could talk a little bit about what makes this conference unique. Sure. Thank you for the opportunity. And I do realize I kind of, you know, jumped ahead um, earlier talking about the conference. So I apologize. But um, as I mentioned before, the first CMB Public Health and Policy Conference was started in Salt Lake or was held in Salt Lake City, um, again, to kind of celebrate and bring awareness to the, the newly passed legislation in Utah. Then we followed it up in uh, 2016 in Austin, Texas, and then in Burlington, Vermont in 2018. So the goal has been to kind of hold the conference every other year. Um, Of course, our hope was to hold the conference in Ottawa in uh, 2020. And, you know, uh, COVID uh, thwarted that effort in both 2020 and 2021. And then we were finally able to hold it in 2022 in Ottawa. Um, part of the reason that we've wanted to keep it on those even um, on those even years was to be in opposing years to the international CMV and beta herpes virus workshop. Um, unfortunately, that's a little sticky right now because they keep postponing their conference, and I'll hit on that a little bit later. Um, but we did the. One of the reasons, one of the biggest reasons, actually, we hosted the conference in Ottawa, Ontario, Canada, um, just this last August, was to celebrate the passing of the first population-based universal CMV screening program. Um, And 
I have to say, like, finally, we felt safe enough uh, and confident enough to hold it in person. And we had an amazing planning committee, um, both comprised of uh, individuals, uh, passionate individuals in Canada and from the U.S. And so I really do want to give a shout out to the planning committee for the 2022 uh, CMB Public Health and Policy Conference. And that is to Rob Tetro and Kayla Keenan from CMB Canada, Soren Gant, Karen Fowler, Eliana Castillo, Amanda Devereaux, of course, from National CMB Foundation, Jessica Dunn, and then my co-director of the conference, Mandy Jay. Uh, we also had a lot of uh, help from Casey Judd, who helped with the hotel logistics, and Daniel Ladner, who provided fantastic AV support during the conference. Um, and I know you asked a second question in there, Amanda, and I kind of just spaced what that question was. So if you can remind me, that would be great. That's okay. No worries at all. I, I guess I was just kind of wondering if you could highlight what makes this conference unique. I, I think oh, it's yes. a really unique conference. And I maybe we could also talk a little bit. I know you talked you talked a little bit about some of the challenges we had planning this conference this year, but maybe we've gotten some some feedback or some evals and, and maybe we already know that, Hey, the feedback was great on this conference. I'm guessing it was, it was a wonderful conference, but just wondering if we have any feedback yet on that. Yeah. So the, what I think makes this conference unique, and I think um, the attendees would agree is it's, you know, the, the other, the international CMV and beta herpes workshop um, that I mentioned you know, they certainly hit on CMV, but of all um, in all age groups. And they do dedicate one day to working on congenital CMV, but it is a very scientific um, and research-based conference. Of course, it, that's also very, very important. And we encourage those researchers to also submit abstracts to our conference. But what I think sets our conference apart is that it's a broader audience of CMV stakeholders. It's definitely beyond researchers and maybe even clinicians. It brings in a lot of other types of providers. So audiologists, um, um, ear, nose, and throat doctors, a few uh, uh, family practice and gynecological providers. We'd like to get more of that group. Um, a lot of parents, a lot of public health staff, um, I may have already said early inter intervention providers, um, but it really broadens the stakeholder net and it's just a really personable conference. There's a lot of opportunity for networking. We hold a, um, a regional or, uh, you know, we, it, it kind of shifts how we do the regional stakeholder meeting, but we set aside about an hour and a half during one of the days where regions can get together and kind of you know, essentially come up with some things that they can work on together in their region, or at least uh, still sh or share seamlessly and still shamelessly from one another. And, um, and then we do a lot of, you know, we have a lot of receptions and just really nicely fostered um, networking opportunities. And so I think that those are the things that, again, that broad group of stakeholders and that increased opportunity to network I think really set um, our conference apart from the international conference. Um, in terms of evaluating successes of the conference, this is a little bit of a, a funny, not so funny story. 
So we had two huge boxes that we sent to Ottawa for the conference. Had no problem getting them to, into Canada, except for now we can't get them back home. And they are stuck in Nashville, Tennessee um, with U.S. Customs. And I, you know, keep providing additional information of what's in the boxes. And I kind of want to say, just open them and you can see what's in there. Um, But all of the evaluation or some of the evaluations are in there. Other uh, evaluations are in the app um, that we used, the Cvent app. And we've been waiting to like kind of collate all the evaluation responses until we get the paper ones uh, back. But hopefully that'll be soon. If not, we're going to just move forward with uh, we're going to just move forward with uh, telling the evaluation results uh, from what's in the app. This conference just has such a nice vibe to it. It's just a lot of collaboration between uh, clinicians, researchers, public health and parents um, as well as other providers, which I just think is completely amazing. Um, this year we had 167 attendees. We usually have more like 230, so certainly not as many in the past. Of course, we can guess what some of the the challenges were. Uh, cost of international travel was a barrier for sure. And of course, COVID continues to be a concern. Um, as well as just having having to have a passport and things like that, especially for people just coming from the U.S. Um, however, regardless of the numbers, everyone was thrilled to connect in person again and share and learn from one another. I don't know about you all, but it was my first in-person conference uh, since March of 2020. And so it did feel really good um, and enriching to be with other people that share similar passions. And so it really just kind of revved me up and almost kind of recommitted me to the cause, you know, to the prevention of congenital CMV. So uh, that was an, a, an amazing part of it. And then new this year, we had a couple new um, parent opportunities. We had an in-memoriam parent video celebrating the lives of lost um, loved ones, um, which was very emotional for, I think, everyone in the room um, and just a really stark reminder of the important work we're all doing. And then we also had an opportunity for parents to record their their family's story um, on site. And now we got really good feedback about that opportunity as well. Um, And then we had some amazing plenaries and excellent breakout sessions. So far, the verbal feedback has been very positive. Um, And again, we'll have better evaluation results, hopefully in the next couple of weeks. And let me just applaud you and the planning committee, um, Allison, on to Amanda's point. It really, truly was an amazing conference. Ottawa was great. And I know things had to be adjusted, readjusted, aligned, realigned, um, revised multiple times as we navigated COVID. But, you know, having just come on board with the organization not too long ago in 2020 and having to have waited until 2022 to actually attend the conference, it really, for me, solidified the work that we do, the significance of it, the importance of it, hearing the parent and family stories, interacting with the researchers. So to your point, it truly is a phenomenal, amazing conference. And again, kudos to the team, because as um, you are aware, um, you all were not the only ones with bag 
losses, holdups, restrictions, um, change flights, missed flights, awards gone missing. So I think in the face of COVID, travel restrictions, um, airport issues, the fact that we all were still able to come together and have a really nice, enjoyable time really speaks volumes of the leadership surrounding conference planning. So kudos to you all for a really, really great conference. I really, really enjoyed myself. Um, and I can speak for Amanda as well. You know, we both did. And between the two of us, we had five presentations. We had multiple CMB Community Alliance chairs um, share their work um, with others, which was favorably and highly received. So again, thank you so much for the opportunity. And Amanda, if you even want to share a bit about our first ever awards that we were able to present at the conference. Yeah, we were thrilled this year um, to, for the first time, present two awards at the conference. We presented a Spirit of Advocacy Award to Laura Sweet from Maine, and she's a CM CMB mom, um, you know, advocating on behalf of her daughter, Jane. And so this award is going to be given out at this conference. And um, it's this award specifically is intended for a family who has really, you know, used what has happened to them to try to stop it from happening to somebody else. And so Laura was just the perfect embodiment of that for this year's award. And then we also had a professional impact award. And so this is really someone from any discipline who through their work their professional work is advocating for CMB and, you know, having a huge impact in the CMB space. And so this year's award um, went to Dr. Mark Schleiss at the University of Minnesota, who is working on the, um, the universal CMB screening pilot there. And, and he was a big player in getting CMB added to the blood spot um, program in Minnesota. And that's going to be starting next year. And um, he, he was a big, a big part of that. So we were very thrilled to do this. This is something that I've thought should be done for a long time. And so we were finally able to make that happen. And we were just thrilled to honor those people who have really given a lot to the cause. Awesome. Yes. And how could I forget? Shout out to our associate board members as well who participated. They participated in oral presentations, some did uh, poster presentations, our scientific advisory uh, committee members held a uh, breakfast where they had a great Q&A and dialogue. So we really had a lot of active participation. And again, Allison, just kudos to the planning committee for um, allowing us the space to share our work and to really interact and engage with others in a still unwinding tumultuous time when <laughs> up until the last minute, we were still trying to figure out travel. So again, kudos on that. Um, and as you hopefully get your evaluation luggage soon, that's what we're praying for, and you get some data on the conference overall, I'm sure more feedback and thoughts will come on how to maximize the conference in the future. But do you have any preliminary thoughts or ideas on next steps for the conference? Where would you like to see it go? Where would you like to see it headed? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, before I answer it, I do just have to um, reiterate just how much I enjoyed like being able to offer <clears throat> a, a meeting space for families and researchers to just have open, honest dialogue. I thought that the Scientific Advisory Board breakfast. I wasn't able to attend because I'm always running around just doing logistical things, but um, I heard excellent uh, feedback from that session. And, uh, you know, parents always have a million, million questions. And sometimes when they go in, 
to visit their providers. They just don't have the opportunity to ask specific questions about their their children or even just more global questions. And so that was a, a, a great opportunity for them. And then when Amanda was talking about the awards, I I, I just kind of got goosebumps again. I, I swear I with this conference, I feel more emotional than I do in any other conference. It's just it's it's become such a deep passion of mine, and I know it is of of yours as well. Um, that it just really brings all of those emotions to the surface, and so it was amazing to be able to provide a space to give those very well deserved awards to Lara and Mark. And so that was that was an amazing new addition to the conference as well. So in terms of next uh, conference, uh, kind of the details there. That's kind of the million dollar question. Um, we would like to get off years with the international conference because the way that they have kept postponing, now they're having their next conference, I believe, in Ohio and Columbus um, in 2024. And so that leaves us either looking at 2023 or 2025. And we would prefer not to wait until 2025. Um, we are looking at the possibility of doing something in 2023. It may be scaled back a little bit just because we don't have as much time to plan it. Um, but that is something that um, we are definitely considering. So stay tuned for that, for more information about something potentially in 2023. Um, in terms of uh, reaching more um, audiences and increasing impact in the future, our partners are really key in encouraging abstract submission and registration. I'd really like, there are certain populations I would really like to get more of as attendees in the conference. So I would love to get more preschool teachers and childcare providers. I would love to get more early intervention providers and state offices of childcare licensure. Um, I think that all of us would really like to see more involvement of OBGYNs and family practice and midwives uh, in attendance. And they really can be hard to reach populations. And so I think we just, again, are going to really lean heavily on our partners to help us reach those groups and think about additional um, partners or planning committee members that we can bring into the fold that can help us reach those uh, those new groups. And so that's something that um, is a goal of mine for the next conference is to try to try to pull in some new audiences or grow some current audiences. And I think that's a wonderful, wonderful idea, Allison. And just for folks who may not even know where to start looking, where can folks go to find more information about the conference as you all continue to work through planning that? Yeah, so we have our uh, our website, which is just cmv.usu.edu. And then we also have a CMV Public Health and Policy Facebook page, and we'll be putting updates on there. Um, also, if you're interested in joining uh, to get, you know, to be included on our email listserv, uh, shoot me an email at allison, A-L-Y-S-O-N dot ward, W-A-R-D at U-S-U dot E-D-U. And I will make sure to get you on our, uh, on our email listserv. And then we also, with NCHAM, we have a very fleshed out website. It's at infanthearing.org. And um, we also have an NCHAM Facebook 
page and Instagram, I believe. I'm not the biggest pusher of our social media. So I believe we're on Instagram. I know we're on Facebook. Um, and so look for, you know, information, you know, around CMV on both the NCHAM and CMV Public Health and Policy Conference uh, Facebook pages. Awesome. Thank you, Allison, for sharing that information. Super excited to have you chat with us today and grateful for your time. For those of you um, who would like more information on the foundation as a whole, please don't hesitate to visit nationalcmv.org. There you can learn about our work and ongoing activities and events. You can also hear more about our activities and events via our social media channels. So please check out Facebook, Twitter, um, Instagram. Um, and then, of course, on our website, under our Get Involved tab, you will see a listing of upcoming events and activities. We're super excited as we are kind of eyeballing our end of the year campaign and activity. So please stay tuned to our communication channels to learn more and hear more about what those activities are and how you can become involved. Thank you all so much for listening.